We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues, and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice-cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day. Three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Pack-A-Day Podcast. You can get all your Pack-A-Day updates by following us on Twitter at Pack-A-Day Podcast. And remember to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, or Spotify. And, of course, you can always check us out at CheeseheadTV.com. My name is Kyle Fellows, and I am joined by my co-host, Andrew Mertig. Andrew, welcome back to another Friday edition of the show. It is great to be back as always, and I actually saved up a bunch of episodes of the podcast, and I got to listen to them all over the last couple days. It was especially helpful to binge listen as I had to drive across icy slash rainy Wisconsin roads today, and and now I'm really inspired from listening to the other episodes. Usually I try to catch them every day, but I really saved them up and got them in bursts, so I feel like I binge-watched a Netflix series but on the Packers offseason. So it's a really it's a good time. Yeah. Really great job, team. Sometimes it's fun to just be a fan and not always think as a host. But hopefully that pushes our episode forward for this Friday. And last week we dove into our first complete offseason simulation. And I believe we learned a lot about potential ways the Packers can improve the roster throughout this offseason. We got some great feedback from listeners. And that is definitely something we will be doing again a couple more times before free agency starts. But we really wanted to hone in on the draft portion of the offseason and how the Packers could address what seems like a lot of roster weaknesses with limited assets to fill those. There were lessons learned from last week. 
For instance, just seven days later, I'm laughing at what possessed me to think that Brian Burns could slide to pick 30 as he's now getting top 10 push. But like I said last week, specific players aren't necessarily the point of these activities. It is seeing how you can address the needs and improve the team to the point where they can compete for a Lombardi trophy again. So here are the ground rules for what we're going to do this week, Kyle. Pay attention. Right. Yeah. We predetermine the positions the Packers are going to be able to address in free agency, and we're each going to take two cracks at filling the rest of the needs through just the draft. We each get to individually determine what the roster needs are, according to our own personal opinions. For this week, we are going to assume the Packers are going to bring in one starting safety and one edge rusher. Last week, Kyle signed Trey Flowers and Earl Thomas in a simulation, and I signed D. Ford and Tyron Matthew. So that is obviously something we would prioritize if we were running the Green Bay Packers. But the specific players aren't as important as the need being met, so we know exactly what we're going to be drafting. And we will only be drafting the first four rounds, as it is unlikely to get an immediate starter after that point in the draft. So, Kyle, why don't you get us started with your first mock? Okay, so assuming I got my stud edge rusher in free agency with a safety on top of that, I'm pretty excited going into the first round of the 2019 draft here, and I am still going to take an edge rusher at 12 here. I'm going to take Brian Burns that you referenced earlier, and I'm taking him at 12 um, because I'm happy to do that. Uh, Coming out of Florida State, he's quickly becoming one of my favorite players in this draft class, and I know that the Packers have addressed this need already in free agency in this scenario, but his athleticism off the edge is just too much for me to pass on here. His biggest concern is his weight. If he can come to the combine weighing 245 pounds, he probably won't be on the board at 12. He might even surpass someone like Josh Allen in that three to four range if he can put up some weight and show that he's a little bit thicker than people think he is. So um, I kind of hope he weighs in at like 238 so that he can just add that weight after Green Bay picks him here and gets a steal. But outside of his weight, he's pretty much the complete package as a pass rusher. And it's interesting that scouts have even noted that your weight is only a problem if it's actually a problem, which sounds funny, but Burns really isn't terrible against the run. So if he's not really getting washed out against the run at his current weight, it shouldn't really be that big of a problem. That should be alleviating some concerns. So all that to say is I am running to the podium for Brian Burns here at 12. And then, you know, we got some time here. But then by the time we get to pick 30 in the first round, um, I'm going to take Jawan Taylor, the tackle out of Florida. And uh, Taylor is really starting to grow on Twitter, the love for him there. Um, There's even growing consensus that he has a real chance to go in the top 10. And I know his name is not big at this point, but he is a dang good right tackle. And if the Packers have a chance at him at 30, I think this is an easy decision to get the successor to Brian Balaga. Uh, In a situation that I would consider, um, I can see myself thinking about Taylor at 12 in the first round. I know that that sounds really premature here, but I think by the time we get to April, people might be thinking about Taylor that early. So uh, I know fans are probably going to grill me for that now, but I think by the time we get there, uh, he might be someone who could go as early as number nine to the Bills. So taking him here at 30 is an easy call for me. And then when we get to the second round, I've got Dalton Reisner staring me in the face. And I am just super excited here. I really was targeting Irv Smith Jr. here. I wanted him. 
but he went off the board before Green Bay picked, one pick before, actually. So uh, Reisner was simply the best player available here. I know I just took an offensive lineman at the end of round one, uh, but Reisner can play right tackle, and he could be really good there. But a lot of scouts like him at at guard. They think he can be a stud there. And so with Jawan Taylor already slotted to play tackle in 2020 after Brian Balaga, uh, Reisner gets to be my plug and play stud at right guard in 2019. And I'm just loving the future of this offensive line that I'm so far being able to build here. So jumping all the way to the third round, uh, Debo Samuel is still on the board here. Um, This is an easy pick for me too. The further we get into the draft process, the better this class of receivers is looking. And Debo Samuel is an absolute monster in the slot, and his change of direction and route running are going to just have teams drooling. But predicting where he gets selected is really, really hard. He's not going to go ahead of guys like DK Metcalf. It's not going to happen. He's probably not going to go before guys like Hollywood Brown or Nikhil Harry or Kelvin Harmon, maybe guys even like A.J. Brown or Riley Ridley. So I doubt Green Bay has a real shot at him in round three in real life. Uh, But if he really does end up being something like wide receiver seven in this class, he's probably a late second round pick and someone the Packers could target to trade up for from this pick that I actually did get him with in the third round. So love Debo Samuel and the skill set he could bring to Green Bay. Uh, My fourth round pick is David Montgomery from Iowa State. Uh, In the fourth round, I took him just really as kind of a third running back on this team at this point, but somebody who has the upside to be a starter in the future. Um, Love his skill set. And then my second pick in the fourth round was Dawson Knox. Um, My plan was to address tight end much earlier here. Like I said, I wanted uh, someone like Irv Smith Jr., but that never really worked out. So obviously this isn't ideal, but Knox is an underutilized weapon that played for Ole Miss, and he has a ton of upside as an athletic tight end. Uh, He started his career at quarterback, so he's still growing into this whole blocking business, but he could end up being a diamond in the rough in this even very talented tight end class. So that was my first draft, Andrew. Uh, Some strengths that I felt like I was able to capitalize on here. I really love what I was able to do on the offensive line. Getting both Jawan Taylor and Dalton Reisner is absolutely incredible uh, for the future of the offense. I also loved getting Brian Burns as that true edge bender to add to this defense. And I honestly love what I was able to do on the offensive side of the ball in general with Debo Samuel and David Montgomery. Weaknesses, there are two huge weaknesses here, in my opinion. First, not addressing tight end until round four is pretty tough to swallow. Um, And I didn't get our new starting safety that we picked up in free agency, a sidekick back there at safety. I really wanted to add a complimentary safety to the roster, and I didn't do that. So just a couple of weaknesses there for sure. But all in all, I like the way that this draft came together. So there were a lot of really interesting names there, and I think a lot of players that we're going to become very familiar with as we continue through this pre-draft evaluation period. I wanted to um, try to avoid, we, we had shared in advance each of our mock drafts, and we wanted to avoid duplicating those things because then obviously it's it's not as interesting to um, pull off names. So I came up with some themes for my draft to try to stay away from as many players as you're picking as possible. And this one I'm calling uh, the best player available at needs mock. So when my pick came up, I went down the draft board and I picked whoever was the right, the highest rated player at a position of need. 
So I tried to ignore players that didn't necessarily fit in with what I had identified as the Packers roster weaknesses. So with the 12th pick overall, I took linebacker Devin White from LSU. LSU seems to produce an elite athlete at the off the ball linebacker spot every single year. And White might actually be the best one that they've had yet. The comparisons to Deion Jones are going to be made all throughout the the pre-draft process. He's going to be able to shut down opposing running backs and tight ends and run all over the field and make plays. And he is the absolute perfect complement to Blake Martinez. With the 30th pick, Deontay Thompson, the safety from Alabama, fell to me, and I think he's a really strong prospect. He has the ability to be a great player and can make plays in coverage and in the run game. It's nice to have that versatility. I never expect a safety to be ready to be an impact player as a rookie, but his pedigree would give me hope that he could at least be a solid starter right away and then have a ton of potential going forward. In the second round, I went with tackle Greg Little from Ole Miss, and he has been absolutely all over the place in mock drafts, and that is because he has all the physical tools to be a top-notch tackle in the league, but his technique needs a ton of work. He could be a Pro Bowl-level tackle or a complete bust, He actually is a guy that has the skill set to be a left tackle, but I would definitely start him off on the right side and probably preferably as a backup. And I know Packer fans are going to be a little spurned from the Jason Spriggs experience, but if you trust your coaching staff to develop prospects, little's the kind of clay that you would want them to be able to mold. Then in the third round, I went from the high-risk offensive lineman to the solid offensive lineman, and that would be guard Michael Dieter from Wisconsin. He is exactly what you would expect from a Badger offensive line prospect. He's massive, and he's fundamentally solid in all blocking aspects. He was a left tackle as a junior, and then he actually requested to be moved to guard when he returned for his senior year because he knew that's where he was going to play in the pros. He's going to be a plug-and-play at right guard. I, he's just really solid. Um, there's nothing that he's going to do that is going to blow um, you out of the water, but he's going to be really solid in the pass game, and he's going to be a road grader in the run game. And So I, I really like what Dieter could do. In the fourth, uh, with the first the first fourth-round pick for the Packers, I took wide receiver Andy Isabella from UMass. He leaps off the tape. Even when he's playing against other elite athletes, he is super electric and really, for me, would be the ideal slot receiver for a team that probably doesn't have one if Randall Cobb leaves. And then with that second, second fourth round pick, I took Edge Jalen Jelks from Oregon. Uh, you heard his name last week in my offseason simulation. When he walks into the room, you would think he is the ideal football player. He's certainly got all of those physical tools you want, um, but right away... You'd give him some third-round pass rush reps, but I'm not sure he can help in the run game for at least a season or two. So my strengths, I think it addresses all of what I would consider the Packers' peripheral needs. You know you get great value when you take best player available, and that is what I did for the most part. Adding two great athletes and Devin White and Deontay Thompson to the defense is going to have an immediate impact up that middle of the field. Right guard is addressed with Dieter, and Little is that developmental prospect at right tackle to potentially replace Blaga. And Isabella gives you a fun playmaker uh, to work in Matt LaFleur's playbook. But the weaknesses are pretty obvious here. There is an utter lack of edge rushers, and that is not ideal. 
Jelks is a solid pick in the fourth round, but he's not going to give the team um, that drafts him much early on. He can be a situational pass rusher, like I said, but you you probably aren't going to see him on the field on first down ever. And that leaves the Packers relying on Kyler Fackrell opposite of whoever our free agent signing happens to be. And I really think, and I know I have targeted Kyler Fackrell a lot, and now I have to admit that he is a pretty solid player. But I do think his value is getting inflated a lot by his sack numbers. And I would love to have him as a third guy in rotation, but him as a starter scares me a little bit. And my lesson here that I learned from doing this mock is that edge rusher is going to either have to be addressed in free agency or in the first round. And I'm not a fan of the depth this year, despite a lot of the hype about how deep this class was going to be. And really, that is because all of those elite players that were supposed to provide the depth have all been shooting way up the draft boards, and suddenly they're all looking to be drafted in the top 15. So those guys that they thought might slip to the second and third rounds are suddenly high first-round picks. Um, I I didn't actually even take a tight end. So that's pretty two colossal needs I left unfilled. So Kyle, I hope you have a better effort for your second mock than I did for my first. <laughs> yeah, actually, uh, I understand completely what you were talking about with the edge class and how it kind of drops off there because I did, as we'll see in a second here, go a little bit different route and then I had to get a little bit creative in how I felt that I should fill that edge need. So uh, let's take a look at that. When I started this second one, I was just really wanting to see if I took who I felt was the best player available as much as possible, kind of like Andrew just did, what would happen. And so here at number 12, starting over, Jonah Williams is on the board from Alabama, and so I wanted my right tackle of the future, and I know most fans expect the Packers to go with an edge rusher with their first pick in the draft, but the fact that the Packers have signed an edge player in free agency really gives Green Bay this ability to take the best player available, and the Packers are really unlikely to find themselves drafting this high anytime in the future, at least that's what we all hope, and so the ability to take this right tackle of the future in Jonah Williams is a huge luck luxury pick and fans may not love this pick but Williams and Bakhtiari is a really good pair of tackles to give Rodgers for the remainder of his career so real big fan of him being on the board and getting that value pick there and then TJ Hawkinson did fall to number 30 in this scenario I know that's growing to be an unlikely scenario Um, he's bound to be a draft crush of Packers fans everywhere by the time we get to late April and depending on how he tests he really might warrant that consideration at pick 12. But in this mock, he was available at 30, and I didn't have to think twice. So Hawkinson is a well-rounded tight end. He's literally good at everything. Sometimes when you're talking about a guy who has a well-rounded skill set, you think of a guy who isn't great at any one thing but gives you a solid all-around skill set. But that is not Hawkinson at all. He's legit in all aspects of the game. He's smart. He's a real weapon who runs good routes. And he goes above the rim to make the catch away from his body. He's an A-plus blocker, which will be absolutely what Matt LaFleur and this new offense needs. So getting the tight end of the future in TJ Hawkinson here at 30 is awesome. Uh, at pick in the, our pick in the second round, uh, Edge Chase Winovich is my edge selection here. When you don't go for one in the first round, this is what you get in the second. In full disclosure, I am a Michigan fan, so I've seen a lot of Winovich, and I am a big fan, um, but I wasn't a big Jabril Peppers fan, and I'm not a big Rashawn Gary fan this year, so I think I'm fairly unbiased. Uh, But Winovich isn't the most traitsy edge rusher you're going to find, 
but he has more bend than you think. And he has an incredible motor that always runs hot. So one thing I love about Winovich is uh, the progression that he has shown from 2017 to 2018. He was much better against the run this year and it actually really became a strength of his game. But he also showed growth in his pass rush moves. So I think his motor combined with the steady growth that he's shown over his college career make him a great, great lump of clay uh, to be molded by new outside linebackers coach Mike Smith. So he's your edge rusher taken in the second round. Uh, Garrett Bradbury is my third round pick. Uh, He's from NC State, and he's a former tight end who now plays center for North Carolina. And I really would like to see him play guard. And he's been touted as a great zone blocking player. And I think he could be this solid pass blocker. He's not going to be maybe imposing in the run game, but he's a super great athlete. And I think he's a great fit for this new offense that's come into town. So um, play strength is his only question, but as a converted tight end, I think he's still growing into his frame. And so and a lot of upside there with Bradbury in the fourth round, I went with safety Amani hooker from Iowa. Um, Amani hooker is not a very well-known prospect at this point, but he's getting praise uh, by some of the best scouts in the business and friend of the podcast. Ben Fennel is actually a big fan of hookers. Uh, hooker plays safety for the Iowa state Hawkeyes and isn't a true single high center fielder type, but that's okay. Uh, that's what we brought in our high price free agency for. So a uh, hooker can come in and be a smart player with ball skills and the aggression that you want from a strong safety. And he could be a long-term solution for the Packers um, on the other side of the back end there. So excited to get him to pair with that free agent signing that we made in this scenario. Um, Also, the fourth round pick that I have left here is Hunter Renfro of Clemson. Uh, The fourth round might be early for Renfro, some people might think, but he's just a great football player, and I want him on my team. Um, He's always making every catch, and you know his hands are small. He's not the most athletic guy in the world. He's not going to test great at the Combine. Uh, But he's the kind of guy that I think could be a great piece in this Matt LaFleur offense to play in the slot. So uh, excited to get Hunter Renfro here. Some strengths of this draft to me were getting uh, Jonah Williams and Bradbury and Hawkinson. The Packers' ability to impose their will in the trenches with those three would just be absolutely awesome. And I love knowing that I have my future at right tackle and my future at tight end secure in this situation. Uh, weaknesses that exist here, I would definitely say um, the pass rush. You know, we upgraded in free agency, but uh, passing on the top tier pass rushers was tough. And Winovich is a good player, but he's not Brian Burns. He's not Ja'Kai Polite. So that was definitely a sacrifice that I made in this one. But overall, I really like this mock. And so, Andrew, um, I'm going to turn this back over to you for your next attempt at the draft. I will apologize to our listeners if Kyle lost his voice at any point during that, but we can see each other, and I was laughing hysterically because there's going to be a great Easter egg for this episode on a quote from Ben Fennell um, and probably something that listen, you didn't realize listen, I'm trying what not you to, were I'm saying. I'm trying not to laugh. I know exactly what I said. <laughs> uh, but you'll have to go back and rewind to, to yeah, catch that catch one. Catch that moment. And At any rate, I, <laughs> there's a couple things There's a couple things I really like. I, Jonah Williams is is quickly becoming my draft crush, and, and I really think that if the Packers take him, they actually don't need to address guard because I think he can kick in the guard and then also be your tackle of the future. Um, and I hate Chase Winovich, but um, good for you on, on <laughs> doing a hard sell 
so maybe All I need right. to go back and look at him a little bit more. Um, at any rate, uh, my attitude for the second mock draft was to just take the best player available regardless of the position. So I adjusted my own draft board a little to anticipate guys with favorable athletic traits first. We don't know what the combine and pro day tests to determine the spark scores are yet, but I'm guessing who is going to do well in favoring elite athletes over great football players for this situation. So with the 12th pick, I got really lucky. Ed Oliver from Houston, the defensive lineman, slid down to 12, so I would snatch him up immediately. He may actually be the best player in the draft, but he continues to slide down um, mock drafts due to being undersized. And I heard the exact same concerns regarding Aaron Donald, and Oliver is smaller than Donald, but... um, Aaron Donald turned out to be a pretty okay player. Uh, Oliver is not only light, but he's also at a position that doesn't appear to be a need because you have Mike Daniels, you have Kenny Clark, and you have good depth behind them. But you take an elite athlete and an elite talent when they fall to you. And Oliver would improve the Packers' run defense and their pass rush immediately. This is something that seemed inconceivable even a few months ago but actually has a slight chance of happening and would be a huge boon to um, the Green Bay Packers defense. At pick 30 I took tight end Noah Fant from Iowa who seems to be falling out of the favor of absolutely everybody because they love TJ Hawkinson so much and when you are looking at elite athletes Fant is certainly one of the players who comes to mind. Everyone wants Hawkinson but Fant is the kind of elite pass catcher that only comes around once every five years or so. And he is actually a pretty solid blocker if you watch Iowa tape. In the second round, I went with Nasir Adderley, the safety from Delaware. And he can be that center fielder type of safety the Packers have needed ever since Nick Collins' career ended. He can line up a man coverage on slots and running backs and tight ends. And he can patrol the deep middle and zone coverages. He is just a super smooth athlete. He's going to pair well with a versatile veteran safety, um, which I'm assuming we, we signed with this free agent class. Um, And then the third round, you know, just looking at elite athletes, I went with Vashon Joseph out of Florida. He's a linebacker. Unfortunately, I kept getting the Oren Burks comparisons in seeing their college tape together. He's quick and fast, but he's undersized, and he gets swallowed up by blockers too much. But I'd expect some development from Burks this offseason, and so I think Packer fans will think a little bit differently about that type of player. And just because they have similar skill sets doesn't mean that Joseph would have the same rookie struggles as Burks did. And it would be nice to have number one depth at that coverage linebacker position. And then also, um, you know, a little bit of an insurance policy if Burks doesn't turn out. At a minimum, I like his athletic makeup, and I think he's worth taking a risk at at pretty much the same position that they drafted Burks last year. In the, with the first pick in the fourth round, I did. I said I wasn't going to get redundant, and then I did. I took wide receiver Andy Isabella from UMass. Same thing that I said before. He's going to be that gadget player that LaFleur would like to use, kind of like guys like Taylor Gabriel, Tavon Austin, um, Tavon Austin, I should say, uh, Robert Woods, and then others. And I think his skill set complements Devontae and MVS and ESB incredibly well, and that gives some more options for Aaron Rodgers. Uh, with that second pick in the fourth round, I took guard Chris Lindstrom from Boston College. He is a strong dude, and I would expect him to fit incredibly well with Matt LaFleur's run-based offense. He's not likely going to last in the fourth round, but the Packers are definitely going to need to acquire a guard at some point this offseason. So my strengths from, from this mock is, even if it's not from an edge player, pass rush gets addressed. That's where Ed Oliver fits in. Tight end, 
I, I took Noah Fant. Safety, Nasir Adderley. So that's hopefully going to solve the Packers' three biggest roster holes at this point. Um, offensive line and playmaking positions largely get left behind, and that is a pretty major weakness of this mock draft. All right, yeah. So not every day do you get four mock draft scenarios in about a half hour. So hopefully you guys enjoyed this and uh, you uh, put up with our, our laughing and being immature and uh, as we try to like get through this. But uh, sometimes when you do a mock draft, the most valuable thing you learn isn't which players you actually selected. It's how the board falls and what you learn about different positional values as you go through the process. Uh, I want to ask you, Andrew, did you have any observations or anything that you felt like you learned as you went through this process? Yeah, well, I think, you know, just on the surface, it shows that it's really difficult to meet every roster need with very finite resources. I identified the following needs for the Packers. Um, edge times two safety times two, guard, tight end, backup tackle, inside linebacker, wide receiver, and backup running back. That's 10 needs. And if we resolve two of them through free agency in our simulation, that still leaves eight draft needs for six draft picks. And that doesn't count players who might slide at positions that aren't a need, but maybe Brian Gutekunst just sees as too great a value to take. So when you're only focusing on need, you start to reach for players in the draft, and I think that's where teams that are consistently bad start to struggle. I think the edge rushers are getting pushed up the draft boards really high. And so I wouldn't mind seeing the Packers spending big and signing two edge rushers in free agency, even if that comes at the expense of other positions. Yeah, absolutely. And so for me, I felt like tight end was really tricky. Uh, that was one of my takeaways in this. I felt like the point you take a tight end is just so interesting in this. Uh, at this point, pick 12 kind of feels too high for a tight end. Maybe it's not, but historically, it's very rare for a tight end to go that high. But by pick 30, both Fant and Hawkinson are typically both gone. I did get lucky one time, but it just felt like that was kind of hard to bank on one of them being there. Uh, and then you're pressing your luck if you're betting on Irv Smith being there at pick 44. So the Packers will be kind of in an interesting position to figure out where they want to target tight end in the draft. And after this exercise, I think they may want to consider a trade-up from 30 for Fant or Hawkinson or a trade-up from 44 for Irv Smith or fans or whoever is left on the board. But obviously a lot is going to change over these next two months. But right now, uh, where the tight ends will come off the board is a really fascinating discussion to me and one that I thought about a lot as I went through this process. Yeah, so hopefully, I mean, on the surface, this episode looks like us just spitballing mock drafts way too early. But I think when you take this as a, a bigger part of the whole picture of how the offseason is going to lay out, it starts to look at the challenges that Brian Gutekunst is going to face in addressing all of the potential roster positions of need for the Packers. So that is all the time that we have for today. This has been the Packaday Podcast. You can find Kyle on Twitter at Packer underscore Pundit, and you can find me at Andrew Mertig. Please let, let us know what you thought of this exercise today or what maybe players you like and what you don't. And if you'd like to see us do something similar to this again, um, remember to also follow at Packaday Podcast. Please subscribe and rate the podcast if you like what we're doing. Tomorrow's episode is going to be hosted by Mike and Tyler. And you can catch Kyle and myself every single Friday. We'll be back next Friday, and we're going to take a look at some trade options in the draft. Moving up, moving down, maybe even moving out for some veteran players. We'll see what happens. 
Thanks for listening, and as always, remember... From the 16 of New York, first down, goal to go. Rodgers in the shotgun, Williams to his left, here's the snap. Rodgers clean pocket, throws the middle of the end zone. To Wild. Oh, yes! And taken by Jackson in the end zone for a touchdown! Geronimo and what's caught by Geronimo Allison! Josh Jackson, the rookie, recovers in the end zone in a Lambeau lead to the north end zone stand. The Packers have a 6 nothing lead. Pepper on third down and three in the shotgun. Packers showing a blitz, and here they come. Beathard looking, hit as he throws it, deep down the right sideline, and intercepted on the play, spectacular interception by Kevin King at the nine-yard line of Green Bay. Snap to Rodgers, looking right, throws the right side, St. Brown makes the touch, it's out of Oh, he reached back to gather it in, using all 6'5 of his frame, tumbled out of bounds, inside the 30 of the 28-yard line. Hunter Bradley the snap. J.K. Scott down on one knee. Arm extended. Here it is. Placement made. Kick is up. It is good. It is good. Mason Crosby delivers the dagger. One week after his worst day ever, he delivers the dagger tonight. Third and five. 13-yard line of Atlanta. Snap. Ryan looks right. Close right side. Intercepted to the house. Bishop Freeland. Touchdown. Green Bay Packers. 19-yard interception return, and it's 16-7, Packers. And Rodgers looks it over, takes the snap, blitz on, they pick it up, Lofty they got him, they got him. Seven yards.